At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible. With a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Today we are talking about what is PTSD, what the heck is this stuff anyway, and what in the world causes it. And this is one of the more common ones that I get all the time. So let's start with what it is not. What it is not is a sign of weakness. It has nothing to do with how strong you are. If you get your legs blown off, or you know somebody that got their legs blown off, the first thing that comes to your mind isn't, my goodness, what weak legs you had that that landmine just sheared them right off like it was nothing. Of course, that's not what you think, and it's not what you should think. A traumatic brain injury, or PTSD, or OSI, which is an operational stress injury, it is an injury, an injury, which is why the nomenclature is starting to change. TBI is one of the common terms. It's all the same thing, uh, which is also why I don't like the D in PTSD, because it calls it a disorder. I prefer TBI, traumatic brain injury, because it's more accurate. Not because it makes me feel better, but because it's more accurate. Okay, so first of all, it is an injury. So how does this affect your brain? Like what actually is the deal and and what are some of the things that can cause it? So I've been breaking this down and please understand this is how I have broken it down. I'm not a clinician. This is how I have broken it down. So make it easier to describe. So I've broken down traumatic brain injuries, otherwise known as PTSD, into two categories. Category one is without moral injury, without moral injury, so nothing evil was was happening. Uh, so category one P, um, OSI or TBI, traumatic brain injury, a level one or category one traumatic brain injury is something like you get struck by lightning. It's an act of God kind of thing or a tree falls down and you just narrowly miss it, or maybe it it got you, or there's a giant earthquake, any kind of natural disaster. It's still big and horrifying and can cause death, is a major traumatic event. However, there is no moral injury associated with it because it is an act of God. So that's category one. Now, category two tends to be far more damaging. Category two is an equally traumatic event. However, evil is involved, or indifference, malevolence. For instance, uh, one of the incidents that happened to me during my tour of duty was our carrier, armored personnel carrier, and for those that don't know what that is, uh, it's a tank that holds about eight or ten people. It's more or less a tank. Uh, the ones that we had, the M113s, were had were tracked vehicles, armored tracked armored vehicles to carry. Um, uh, our term is APCs, armored personnel carriers. Anyway, we're going across this bridge, and the bridge is really, really high. And all of a sudden, one of the tracks locked up, and we, the, the entire vehicle with the whole section in it, swerved 
right towards the edge. And of course, it was right at the high spot, of course. And at the very last second, somehow our driver was get, able to get a hold of, um, uh, of the machine that had malfunctioned. And the machine pivoted, pivoted hard. And we actually did a Dukes of Hazard. We're up on one track. It was, it, it should be impossible. Like it, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't be able to happen, but it happened. So we're doing the Dukes of Hazard up on uh, one track and then we end up back on the bridge. But everybody that was out of the hatches, so the, the driver, of course, because uh, we were hatches up because it was, um, nobody was shooting at us uh, that week. So it was hatches up. So the crew commander, uh, the guy on the turret and the driver all saw what was going on. Me and my buddy were uh, trying to catch some sleep, and we were on the bench on the inside. We didn't know what was going on. We thought maybe we hit the ditch or something. We didn't know until the um, uh, to the ramp dropped, and we saw the what was left of the guardrail. So this is about a 150-foot drop, best guess. Uh, well, more than enough that there's no way in hell we would have survived it. So pretty traumatic. Um, probably more so for the guys that actually saw it and were 100% convinced that their time was up, that they were about to die. The reason that that event affected all of us as much as it did is because our leadership knew that these carriers malfunctioned. They knew about it. When you put that in, um, the moral injury where we were put in harm's way, damn near died, and this was not the only incident of, of its uh, kind, all kinds of carriers had hit the ditch, uh, which is not good because it was the most heavily landmined area in, on the planet. So going into the ditch is extremely dangerous. But our leadership knew about it and didn't do anything about it, didn't mitigate it. And I don't, in fairness to them, I don't know if there was a way to mitigate it, but this was a major troop movement when we went over the bridge. And... Um, the CEO and the regimental sergeant major were driving by in their little army jeep, and instead of hopping out and going, "Hey guys, are are you all right?" They scowled at us with anger because we screwed up the troop movement. Somehow this is our fault. This malfunctioning equipment that was fifty years old and had been out of date for a generation, but that's what we were using anyway. Because welcome to Canada. They scowled at us with hatred, this adds to the injury. And then the driver, Tom Greenlaw, wonderful man who saved our bloody lives. If it wasn't for Tom Greenlaw, we would be dead, period. A lesser driver and we would be dead because that carrier wanted desperately to kill us. That malfunction wanted to kill us. But Tom Greenlaw overcame that malfunction and saved our lives, a whole section of us, I don't know, eight or nine of us in that carrier. So we're alive today because of the actions of our driver. But the leadership wanted to blame the driver for this. The colonel, whoever, whoever's decision it was, they actually charged him with God knows what uh, conduct and becoming dereliction of duty. I have no idea. But they tried to charge him. Now, just the fact that they tried to charge him instead of giving him a frickin' medal, which he deserved, this causes moral injury. So you see, if we, if it was a deer that ran out in front of us or 
anything that didn't involve the fault of somebody else, this wouldn't have been as big of a deal. If they hadn't tried to charge the guy who saved our lives, this event would not have been such a big deal. But because of all those things did happen, it wasn't just the event, the near-death experience. And it doesn't get any closer than this. Uh, we were One track was actually hanging in the air as we were doing the Dukes of Hazard, But it was because of how it was handled. This is a force amplifier for the event. And that makes it a Category 2 with moral injury. Now, the people inside that carrier, there's another way to divide how you look at trauma, direct and indirect. So category one and category two is with and without moral injury, and then it also breaks into direct or indirect. So everybody in that carrier, that was a direct trauma for us. The carrier behind us that witnessed it and the carrier in front of um, anybody that would have seen it, especially the people that were right behind us, that would be an indirect trauma. They still saw it. And then they were still aware of how it was handled after the fact. That would be indirect trauma. And it would still be something that uh, may cause harm. It may cause an injury. So those are the categories. Category one, category two, direct and indirect, with moral injury and without moral injury. That, those are the different ways to look at it. Now, it doesn't have to be a traumatic event. It doesn't have to be um, a pit full of bo- bodies or anything else that's horrific that people tend to see in war. Uh, and, of course, this show is for first responders as well. Uh, they they receive their trauma generally in, in different doses. So in a combat zone, you receive a whole lot all at once, and... It's more death by a thousand cuts for first responders, paramedics, police, fire. And they see the dead bodies. And it's one after another. And they see the most horrific domestic abuse cases and things like that. And these things chip away and chip away and chip away. So what is the injury? Like, what is the actual neurology of it? And this is more or less what it is. When a trauma happens, it rewires your brain to the lizard brain, the lizard brain, otherwise known as your brain stem. Okay. Now, if it's without moral injury, it rewires just directly to the brain stem, which is the fight or flight bit, right? So it conditions your brain. And the more traumas that you have, the more your brain gets conditioned to react to situations with a flight or fight response. And that's the difference between a normal brain and a brain that has had a lot of trauma is the wiring, the reaction to events, you're hardwired to react with a fight or flight. And that's not conducive to living in society because the rest of the world isn't like that. It's only fight or flight when it's go time. But when this happens again and again and again and again, you can't help it. You react to things that are not life-threatening as if they are life-threatening. I hope that makes sense. Now, when it is a category two trauma, which means it's also a moral injury, the neural pathways also go to 
the lizard brain, but they also uh, start making these neural pathways towards the amygdala, which is your emotional center. And when the trauma creates these neural pathways to both the lizard brain and the amygdala, that's not good. That Those are the toughest types of trauma to treat. The toughest types of trauma to treat. And this is the type of thing that causes more than an exaggerated startle response, more than just the hypervigilance, more than just getting angry at nothing. It also puts in a reaction where you overly react when you've been done wrong or you see somebody else has been done wrong. Because the moral injury is so strong that it is like a new filter for you that you can't just replace. You're just stuck with it. And you're looking at the world through this filter of moral injury because of the neural pathways. So when you've been screwed over again and again and again by the people that are supposed to be protecting you in in an extreme environment, which amplifies it, you start to get what some people might call jaded, less trustworthy, start to withdraw and feel less and less of a connection with those around you, with loved ones. You become numb, unable to feel, unable to react to, um, in an empathetic way. And the, this is the effect of traumatic brain injuries. So uh, what are some of the causes, any traumatic event? And you break down the traumatic event with direct or indirect, with moral injury or with more, without moral injury. If bad leadership is a part of this trauma, it amplifies it, some studies have said, to a factor of 10. And it's not easy to get over it. So what does it look like? So that's what it is from a neurological perspective. But what does it look like in, in your life? Before I reached out for help, and I, by the way, it's normal to go undiagnosed for a ridiculously long time. Hopefully now with education, it will be easily more easily spotted, both through self-discovery and other people tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, uh, <laughs> we got to talk because you got a problem. But what had me reaching out for help was that nobody liked to sit at the dinner table with me. Because although I wasn't cognizant of it, it wasn't front of mind. I didn't realize what I was doing. For some reason, sitting around the table was a mission for me. It was a mission. And everything was mission critical. Whether or not uh, how my kids were eating their food, if they weren't efficient about it, if they were screwing around, I would just be vibrating. Nobody else even notices, but I am absolutely vibrating. And when they required correction, I would overcorrect by far. So we started uh, making a deal with my wife and she says, Mark, when we're at the table, uh, I'll, I'll do the corrections. Little did I know the impact of this. My stepkids, uh, the second meals were over, they're up and gone. No conversation. They, they couldn't wait to get away from me because I was creating a horrific environment and it wasn't normal. You have blind spots when you have operational stress, stress injuries, traumatic brain injuries, PTSD. It creates blind spots, uh, blind spots and your self-awareness goes right into the toilet. So I couldn't see it. 
until one day after dinner, my youngest, this is about three years ago now, my youngest, who was only like eight or nine, sweet, sweet little boy, sweet soul, not overly coordinated. And he's taking his plate up to the dishwasher. And and uh, before he puts the plate in, in the dishwasher, he lets the plate drop, not out of his hand, just tilt, tilt downward. So it was vertical and all these crumbs go rolling off the plate and onto the floor. And I hollered at him with anger. Dawson, what in the hell is wrong with you? Pull your head out of your butt. What are you doing? And I'm freaking giving him the gears over some crumbs on the floor. And I am angry. And I looked at his face as this was happening. And I saw him break. I saw his face drop. I was hurting my kid with my anger. Made him feel useless. Made him feel worthless. I was causing harm. That's called secondary trauma. That's what that is. And it was when my wife put her hand on my shoulder and said, Mark, they're just crumbs. We can clean them up. It's okay. All of a sudden, the self-awareness came rolling in like a truck and hit me. And I realized, oh shit, I have a real problem. And I got to get a grip on this problem because it's affecting my children. Traumatic brain injuries break up marriages, ruin lives, and on the extreme end, cause homelessness because people can't hold a job, they keep getting fired. And of course, the ultimate suicide. They are a big deal. And the impact of them is. Catastrophic. Absolutely catastrophic. But healing happens and you can recover. So that's what causes it. That's what it is. And that's some of the ways to identify it. If you are overreacting to situations, um, if you've ever had a road rage where you put the vehicle in park and got, actually got out of the car with the full intent of hurting the person in the other car, yeah. I, might know a little bit about that. I've done that a few times. If you're the only one reacting strongly to a situation, as if it's a life or death, death situation where everybody else is quite calm and you're wondering, what the hell is wrong with all of you? Why are you so slack? This is a situation. We need to react. And you're the only one. Perhaps you're very, very sensitive to things that are rude and you're the only one that speaks up ever. Like in a movie theater, I tend to be one of my symptoms is I'm hyper audio sensitive. So four rows ahead of me, there could be somebody wrestling with their bag of licorice. And yes, this has actually happened uh, a few times wrestling with their bag of licorice and nobody else seems to even notice but it is driving me insane. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Somebody might as well be burning me with hot cigarettes because this person is wrestling with a bag of licorice. And as the movie starts, I can't take it anymore because we paid for this movie, damn it. So I holler right across the rows, hey, get a grip on that licorice. The rest of us can hear that. We all paid for this movie, god damn it. And the place goes silent.
and the person I'm with looks at me like I've got three heads. Because it's not the first time that I've done that. Have you ever done anything like that? Reacted in a way that nobody else is reacting? Are you the only one that speaks up in the crowd? No one else ever seems to? It's not just because you're the leader and you're the sheepdog among the sheep. It's because your trauma cup is full. The average person, their cup is full about one-third, so you can shake it pretty hard without it spilling. But with us, the trauma cup is right up at the brim. You just touch it. You just sneeze, bump the table slightly, and it spills out. Spills out and makes one hell of a mess that everybody else can see and might even be burning the people around you with your hot coffee, your hot trauma coffee. Does that sound like you? Is it familiar? Perhaps you have constant nightmares like I do. You can't sleep for shit. One of the most common side effects of traumatic brain injuries. Can't sleep for shit. Constant nightmares of combat that you, you didn't even have to see it. I've been in a war, but I haven't been in combat. Not really. Not a real good firefight. You know, little skirmishes and stuff, but nothing big. But my dreams are combat dreams or fight or flight dreams or I can't get away or I'm helpless or powerless dreams. And they're constantly in there every night. And the category of nightmare is when it actually wakes you up. So if it actually wakes you up, that counts as a nightmare. And yeah, I was waking up three, four times a night. It was horrific. Now I can usually get through the night and they're downgraded from nightmares to simply disturbing dreams. So yay for me, but it still sucks. Intrusive thoughts all the time, where, especially for, for combat veterans, but it's more than that, where you're hypervigilant and you're always checking out everybody and assessing threats, threat assessment, threat assessment, threat assessment, especially in crowds. It's exhausting. And you're, <laughs> I don't know how many people I have killed in my mind, uh, throat chop with weapons of opportunity, smash them in the head with a, a sugar dispenser or a brick or a rock or whatever happened. Oh my God, I've killed thousands and thousands of people in my mind. And I couldn't stop, especially the first five years when I got out after my tour. It was horrible. Any of this familiar to you? It's a shit way to live. But healing happens. Healing happens. So I hope this has been helpful. We have just covered what is a TBI, PTSD, OSI, whatever you want to call it. What is a traumatic brain injury? What causes it? What does it look like? How does the neurology work? This is Operation Tango Romeo, letting you know that you are not alone. This is your peer support podcast. <laughs> At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making peer support for post-traumatic stress disorder easily accessible, with a vision of a world where finding help and support is simple and the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. 